Yeah, the thing about peanut butter is just get it in there. You know, just put it, just get it in your all of the food that you're eating. Uh, it's got protein. It's got fats. What else do you need? I think those are the two things that it has. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 382 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games program. I'm Adam, and I'm the webs programmer. I'm Seb, and I'm their teeth. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's September 22, 2020. You. <laughs> That's good. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity on this show. So buckle oh, your yeah. pants. I hope you're ready. It's going to be great. Uh, we also like to support, uh, no, support. We also like to thank our supporters <laughs> over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. And we've got a donation from Mitron, who left us a message as well. Uh, Matrone says, hey guys, just listen to episode 374. Here's some bucks to get your good selves some Tabasco sauce. <laughs> I don't Tabasco <laughs> quite remember what was in that. That was a, that was, that was a couple months ago, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm sure we talked about food or something. We must have. Uh, Matrone says, uh, if you've not tried it before, a few drops of Tabasco sauce on your peanut butter toast is life-changing stuff. <laughs> I personally uh, favor the green version with my peanut butter. Enjoy. Thanks. So we Uh, must have been just talking about peanut butter in that in that episode because like peanut butter comes up a lot. We were like literally just uh, last night. Last night, (laughs) Sam was like, "Peanut butter is so good." (laughs) (laughs) It's because in back for blood, there's this food you could find if. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I ate some peanut butter, and it was like gives you increased melee stamina. And I was like, of course, like I in mean, real of co- life, of course it does. Yeah. Food of the gods. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, peanut butter is the best. If you're allergic, peanut butter is amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. We probably talked about. We must talk about that episode if we were just talking about peanut butter. But if you treat it as a sauce, because that's what it is. It's a, it's a sauce, right? But yeah, it totally makes sense. You just throw some Tabasco in there or whatever, right? Because because you get like Thai food and some other like kind of regional foods that just have like peanut sauce as a staple of the things that go in yep. there. And there's spicy stuff in there. There's like anything Man, you want. B- you know? Peanut butter is humorous. You know, you could turn it in anything. You could put it on anything. It's just good. Turn it into a sauce. Yeah. Turn it into a cookie. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dream it up. I actually, I actually do. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I cook things these days, probably like half the time I end up putting peanut butter in it. Like yeah, as as a sauce, like you just like literally like throw some soy sauce in there. You here's know? a good, like, here's a good. If you do, uh, if you make some noodles at home, like some ramen, yeah, ramen yep. instant noodles. Throw a little bit of peanut butter in that broth. Yeah, throw yeah. shit around. Oh my god, that's so good. But we are we are talking not sweet peanut butter. We're talking pure uncut. No, I'm well. I guess cut <laughs> cut a lot. <laughs> well, well more gr- pure ground pure up. ground up uh, peanuts. Yeah, yeah, peanuts. That's that's the stuff that you want. Yeah, the thing about peanut butter is. Just get it in there, you know. Just put it. Just get it in your all of the food that you're eating. Uh, it's got protein. It's got fats. What else? Do you I need? think those are the two things that I have. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> but, but hey, that's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's next? That'll be my uh, business target. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Be good yeah, more of a more of a GIF person, but I'll take you know whoever will throw money. I'll. I'll become that kind of person. Is you know, I'll sell GIF a big peanut, or is it GIF? It's, it's oh, it's, oh yeah, sorry. It's yeah, it's gift peanut butter. Gif peanut. Uh, <laughs> yep. Well, that's as opposed to GIF, right. as opposed to GIF, the graphical interchange format. Yes, you know. Naturally. Uh, also, today's episode is sponsored by Favro. 
which we will talk a bit more about later, but uh, we're big fans. So, mm-hmm. you know, stay tuned for that. Uh, all right. Let's talk about, let's talk about some life stuff. Speaking of food, uh, Sam has a kitchen story. I don't know if this is a food-related kitchen story, but well, it is a kitchen story. Well, buckle in, because okay. basically, you know, every yeah. so often something happens because you have ADHD and you just sort of, you look, you gaze inward afterwards and you say, did that have to happen? You know, like, why is, why is this yeah. by lot? But you life? know why it had to happen. Correct. You just wish it didn't have to happen. So, yeah, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> this weekend, I was making a smoothie. For my wife and mm-hmm. stuff in there, put a lot of things in. So these days, she's putting frozen strawberries, frozen pineapple chunks, a lot of frozen things. Okay, so you know, I spoon okay. out, get a big spoon, spoon out the uh, yogurt, get that in there, put all the veggies in there, and pile of ice fruit into the blender. Right, I go over, set this bad boy, which weighs seven hundred tons at this point, because it's so full of iced fruit, onto the blender mm-hmm. thing, uh, and hit the button. And it and it goes making like a like a clicking noise like it can't it can't continue you know it's just too much stuff in there and I thought well this never happened before but I did put a lot of these giant fruit cubes basically into this so Diana comes mm-hmm. over and she she's like she's like oh it shouldn't be making that noise like you know stop stop it and I, so I stopped and I was like no no, no I think Is it's just, like a spoon in there or something? I, like, I think it's just fucking <laughs> locked up because of this fruit right if so I hit the button again yeah. rev Fucking a spoon, yeah, blast out the side <laughs> of the blender like a oh, like a missile. Oh my punches God. a hole through the blender and shoots Jesus. a smoothie goo. <laughs> damn kitchen. Uh, the lid didn't come off. It's a ninja. I mean, these things are it's a potent. Blender. Well, the lid. They got a good lid. Yeah. Sides, yeah. I guess, leave could, something could to be desired. Yeah. <laughs> so what it happened was when I was spooning the damn yogurt in, then I. And then for some reason, just left the spoon <laughs> in the fucking blender and then, you know, blew up this blender. Luckily, it's like 10 oh, years old and we were thinking about getting a new one anyways at some point. So it's like, not a, And not nobody a, died by having a spoon go through their chest. So that's also pretty good. Spoon-related shrapnel injury, which yeah. uh, was a blessing because I think- I assume the fact really that it myself. exploded through the side also absorbed a lot of its kinetic energy so that there was- not- Yeah, the spoon actually was sort of like just sitting half out of the blender. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, mm-hmm. And then there was just like blender pieces scattered about. Across. Yeah. So it was pretty spectacular. But I literally just, I just, <laughs> I just apologized. <laughs> and then I just left. I was like, I'll be back. <laughs> just left. I went upstairs. Just sort of sat quietly. <laughs> uh-huh. You know? Because you're just like, you just looked out the window and you were like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, so what you're saying is, what you're saying is you thought you were following a smoothie recipe, but really you were following a recipe for disaster. Oh, yes. That's what indeed. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, n- next time, you know, this is just one of those lessons, you know, next time, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yep. well, Seemed like a good that idea. Is, that is the thing wasn't. about ADHD lessons is that the problem isn't, is never... It's never what you did. What you know you're supposed to do. It's that that it doesn't matter what you know you're supposed to do or not do. It's if literally anything else is occupying your mind, which is, you know, usually what's happening, then what is supposed to happen is kind of just a relic. Your body just does stuff. I mean, it is remarkable when like something just doesn't exist in your brain at all. And like, because like 
you because like you have your morning routine, you know. I put so a spoon in the blender, have, you know. I yeah, exactly. Yeah. That spoon. And like, I saw it go in and there. you have, yeah, exactly. You saw, but you have no memory of like then seeing it in there afterwards. So you have no memory of like whether or not you took it out, right? And so like, yep. you have this. You have to play this game of of did did I. Did I do oh, yeah. the thing? I can tell you how many times I've like, I've made a uh, veggie burgers for lunch. Right. And then in my mind, I was like, yep, I'll, I'll take half of these veggie burgers and put them in the fridge for, for later mm-hmm. and I'll eat the other half. Right. And so that's, that's like the, that's my plan. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Sampy will come up and I'll be like, oh, do you want these other veggie burgers for your lunch? And she'd be like, oh, sure. So she'll have them. But my brain is still committed to the idea that <laughs> that I put those in the fridge, yep. right? So then yeah. later later in the day, in the evening, I'll be like, man, I'm hungry. It's dinner time. I'm going to go bust out those veggie good. burgers that I – good, good thing I put those in the fridge. And then I'll open the fridge and I'm like, where the fuck are these? Yep. And, and, then, and then I'm like, the oh, house. crap. And I'm like, oh, geez, did I put them in the cabinet again? Because I've done that before, you know. So then I'm just <laughs> opening up all the cabinets yep. looking for these veggie burgers until finally something clicks my brain is like trying to reconstruct mm-hmm. the events of the day mm-hmm. and realize that I that they have been consumed and I was I was there for it the whole time I was involved in that conversation it was you know what's the secret no, to you it just it didn't stick you're basically you know? <laughs> you're just a 24-7 detective with yourself as a super unreliable witness you know <laughs> yeah but this is why events. this is why I I remember reading about how like it was such a big revolutionary idea that in the Air Force they would use checklists for mm-hmm. you know taking off planes and even in like commercial airlines because up there was a long time where they just relied on pilots to just remember and they're like yeah here's this sequence of like 28 switches that if you don't check them all and flip them the plane will just crash and everybody will mm-hmm. die right and there was this long time where people were just crashing planes and dying mm-hmm. and uh and the idea of going through a checklist was somehow offensive to people yeah because it, it implies you don't know what you're doing right or but, that's how we interpret it is like yeah well it, do, it doesn't necessarily imply it it explicitly oh, no. states right. it. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. Which because, is, because which is true, frame, though. Right? Because you know? it's, yeah. it's not about whether or not you know what you're doing. It's about whether or not in the context of re, of the real world and reality, right, that you can keep track of the things that you know and, like, what you have or haven't done and keep track of, like, a complex process. Yeah. And what kind of ego does it take to say, like, I will literally never make a mistake ever, mm-hmm. right? Like, who – what kind of bullshit is that, you know? Just yeah. take the checklist, go through the checklist. Apparently, this was a big deal in hospitals, too. We're like, yeah, for surgeries. Doc, do, doctors were like, I, f- I remember shit. And then they just leave a sponge in somebody <laughs> 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 or operate on the wrong leg. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, well, that one was just a fluke. You know, but yeah. we're definitely not going to start using checklists or anything. Totally. Uh, yeah. So, well, that was good. <laughs> it was a good story. Thanks. Need a blender why, checklist. That is one of those, why am I like <laughs> this blender kind of checklist. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, sure there's no utensils left in the blender before you turn well, yeah. it on. Yeah, this is this is the smoothie equivalent of leaving a sponge in a patient. You know, like it you, you got a spoon out, of, you got a spoon out of the drawer, mm-hmm. and you don't have a mechanism to make sure that that spoon is still accounted for when you turn the blender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So uh, let's talk about some uh, some industry news. Yeah, uh, there. Right, so there's a couple of interesting things that happened. One is. The, there was a leak 
of Grand Theft Auto 6. It's a big deal because Grand Theft Auto 5 has been around for, I think, 300 years. All the time, yeah. Yep. Um, Grand Theft Auto was here uh, when when the Earth was born, mm-hmm. and it will be here when the Earth dies. And uh, it will somehow persist after that. So somehow, in spite of all, in spite of the longevity of Grand Theft Auto 5, Rockstar Games has apparently been working on Grand Theft Auto 6 for quite some time. Almost as long, apparently. Yeah, well, I guess like eight <laughs> years or something. Yeah. So uh, one of the things about making a, a game of that scale, where basically the game is just sort of, it's not a game so much as a, it's just a it's city. A, yeah, it's a simulation of it. <laughs> it's a city that you're a person in. It's the and, Matrix. It's and the you Matrix, just do yeah. go around doing stuff, especially in Grand Theft Auto Online, I guess, where you just kind of are there with other people and you just kind of just go around. The city yeah, doing whatever, whatever you want, um, which is pretty pretty fascinating, pretty interesting. Uh, but to make Grand Theft Auto Six, you know, they've got to one up Grand Theft Auto Five, which is really hard because it's a whole Grand Theft Auto Five kind of already has everything, right? <laughs> yeah. So that means that the amount of work required to build Grand Theft Auto Six um, to one up everything to add even more features is just astronomical. You know, this is why we've talked about how like, like you're probably not going to see. Yeah, you're not going to see a Terraria two because mm-hmm. it somehow has to have more stuff <laughs> than Terraria one, which is thousands of things, right? right. Well, I mean, so, they, they kept on releasing stuff for that game over like a decade, right? So yeah, so to make Terraria two, it would take at least a decade mm-hmm. in theory, right? And they would need to stop um, releasing things. It's like it's like the idea of like if you're if you're learning something new and you're like learning from somebody who's already been there, they're like they're years ahead of you, right? It's the same thing as like feeling like. It like makes as little sense as feeling like you should be able to catch up, right? Mm-hmm. Because they started two years or five years or ten years ahead of you, and unless they just stopped, you know, doing things and mm-hmm. progressing, then they're just always ten years ahead of you or whatever, right? And like that's also yep. where these kinds of long-lived games, but especially a live services game where you're just yeah. adding content constantly, there just isn't really a meaningful way to have like here's version two of that unless the scope of the thing is somehow really small. Small, but also meaningfully different in a way that it would make sense that it would just have less stuff, right? Yeah. So the response to the Grand Theft Auto 6 leak has been really interesting because I would say it's kind of of binary. You have some people who are fairly understanding that, hey, this is a leak of a game in development, so, you know, Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean anything specifically. Yeah, and even though it's been in development for a long time, you know, it's in development. So, this means and it's nothing. a leak, which means it wasn't Rockstar being like, look at our game. It was somebody <laughs> internally being like, look at this game, right? Um, and so it's not ready to be viewed by the public. Graphically, it's not where they want it to be. It's missing a bunch of features. It's, you know, it's just a, it's just rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people have been understanding about that and other people online have been doing a lot of interesting armchair game development commentary. Oh, that's my favorite. Uh, uh, just talking about how terrible the game looks and how disappointed they are and how like nothing will ever replace Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, so it's been really interesting to just see kind of like the average gamer take on how games are made. You know? <laughs> yeah. What's the gap, uh, so you know, between it's the peak of the Dunning-Kruger? You know, yeah. Yeah. The first yeah. one. Yeah. The, you know, the deeper you get into an area of expertise, and especially one that gets starts getting even more collaborative with other areas of expertise, the further away, oftentimes, the person who consumes the thing you make has any understanding of what the fuck the thing is, like how, how the, it starts, it 
becomes a sense of magic at some point. But there's a weird thing that I think a lot of, for some reason, video game players in particular uh, seem to have a sense that because they played a lot of games, oftentimes that they understand in any way together. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the idea that like, oh, I went on a road trip last summer, so therefore I could probably uh, design and build my own car, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. just because you drove the thing doesn't mean you have any yeah. idea, right? Because like you know it's got a steering wheel, like you know what all the parts are, and you can critique You've, a car. You can be like, well, this isn't very fun to drive. You know, does it like, ride well? It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It eats too much gas. Like you can come up with all kinds. Like you can critique a thing. That's the idea of media critique, right? Like media is made for people to consume. Mm-hmm. It's made for a target audience. And the target audience isn't supposed to be like people who also could create that same media necessarily, mm-hmm. right? So it's made for – it's like made for your average gamer. That's what it's for, right? But just like your car is made for your average car driver, you know, it's the same thing. And like – and you can critique it as a consumer mm-hmm. because you do have – because for you, it's an experiential thing. You mm-hmm. experience the outcome, right? But – you don't actually get your hands in the guts to make it go necessarily. So you can yeah. critique it. And I think there's that there are certain domains where people confuse their ability to like actually meaningfully often critique something mm-hmm. with actually understanding like how it's what put it together. is and how it's put together and how it's made, right? Uh, and video games are one that just like falls so weirdly deeply into that trap. I don't know why it is with video games that – that hits that so hard, but I think what's interesting about games is that uh, making them is some kind of weird combination of like business, politics, software engineering, art. You know, uh, huge like team collaboration, uh, project management. I mean, it's 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 kind of everything. And you also need, like tell good stories and like have good music, and and it's it's so cross disciplinary that. Um, the idea that somebody could really like really get what it means to make a game without having done made it, one. Yeah. uh, is, you know, you just, you just can't really, but even having, do it. but I think, one, I think that's probably know, like, true. We've been making yeah. games for a decade. Right. And mm-hmm. if I like, if I saw, you know, like I'm dug into this leak from, from uh, GTA six, right. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the fuck they're pulling off anything they're pulling off in GTA yes. five yeah. or like. Right, because like yeah, it, I have no place to comment on anything yeah, that I, I see would, there. I would like, in a million years, <laughs> yeah, dream of of like trying to infer like what the leak where implies. they're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because and like because the only thing that it might imply could be like it might give you a hint as to like what what comes early and what comes late, right? Because all you're seeing is like some midpoint, right? Mm-hmm. And so if there's stuff that's not very polished or missing, you can be like, okay, so that stuff I guess comes later, right? It's like mm-hmm. like you could kind of infer that. Kind of thing, but also every project is so different. Yeah, it's, that, it's one of those things that doesn't tell you anything about anything except for that one thing, and only yeah, barely anything exactly. at all. There. Yeah, it's it's it appears to be information, but it is not information. It's just nothing. It's just yes. nothing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I saw this great web comic that was uh, an analogy to this, where it was like uh, somebody looking at the the frame of a house under mm. construction. So it's just the wood. It's like the concrete foundation and then like just the wood frame, right? Mm-hmm. And look at it and they're like, well, for starters, like you're going to have wind just coming straight <laughs> through the walls, yeah. you know? And they're like, well, the woodwork looks terrible. And like the flooring, there's nothing, you don't even have any carpet down. Like your roof, water's just going to come straight through all the holes in that, oh, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, like it's the frame, <laughs> but games can be built in so many different ways, it's, you know? 
And also you don't see them. It's not like, it's not like you drive past a, a video game being built on the road. You can drive past a building. Mm-hmm. So you have a context of like, oh, they like go together sort of in this framing foundation mm-hmm. way, right? Um, and so, you you know, if you hired somebody to build a house for you and you went and looked at it and all you saw was the frame, you'd be like, sure, that, that tracks, right? But if you see a video game that's half built, you don't have any you don't mental know what model you're for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no uh, well because there are like stereotyped ways that modern houses get put together, right? Like mm-hmm. you can you can actually like if you know a lot about that, you can infer a fuckload of stuff when you just like look at a the, a snapshot current state mm-hmm. of a, of a project, right? Yeah. Uh, but no matter how much you know about actual video development, you actually it, it's it's not stereotyped enough. There's yeah. there aren't things aren't it just done the same enough anywhere. Yeah, I do want to say especially there's a, a well known reality in making systems rich games and especially sim heavy games which is that yeah very frequently very frequently do not come together almost at all until the end they're terrifying to work on because most of the time you're like okay we still need this next thing before this is going to be good Mm -hmm. we still you can't you can't fill out all the content until like all of the mechanisms there but you can't just have one system by itself and figure out if that's even good because all the systems interact and so yeah, so if you're building, depending on the kind of game you're making, and then depending on just the studio and the tech and the people involved and and the complex, as, as one of the two of you said about, like, it's a, it's a business problem too, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't get to just make decisions about, oh, here's how I want to make, here's what I want to make as already a business decision, right? Here's how I want to make it is this complex business and, and project problem. And now here's what, here's the how, here's what the progression is going to look like. Because and especially yeah. like if you read any like video game history books like uh, that kind of dive a little bit into some some stories of like how individual games came out and stuff right and especially in the AAA space where there's just enormous money involved right mm-hmm. a lot of what you'll like hear in those stories is like they'll people will work on a project for six months with a hundred people and then be like oh, f- oh fuck our our lead like uh, our director of the creative whole thing. Yeah decided to leave or had to get fired or whatever. And mm-hmm. so somebody else came in and they're like, I don't like any of this. And so they scrapped the that whole thing. Like this, this stuff literally happens. And just because like they swapped out somebody at the top, right. Uh, or yeah. because they lost funding because like they had to deal with, with, let's say, you know, whatever, Sony, some big name. And then they didn't hit a milestone or, or the, that other big companies plans change. And they're like, Oh, we don't think we actually care about this anymore because we changed our own business strategy. And so they're like, that's it. You know, that's the end. Or they'll even pull rights and just like say. Yeah. And I I think that kind of thing is going to happen more with something like a a game like Grand Theft Auto 6 because the stakes are high. Yeah. That's that's like billions of dollars a year game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's huge. And it it has to be better. Like it has to Mm -hmm. dramatically outpace Grand Theft Auto 5, which means uh, they're going to rework stuff and redo stuff over and over and over again yeah. until until it does, and it's going to be hard to, to do but that. But they're also yeah. under no meaningful time pressure. They may be under exactly. like yeah. investor pressure and other kinds of business pressures, right? right. But like but that's why that in eight money, years, that game makes so much money. They could just like this is the dream that we have, right? Is to like have a blockbuster hit so that there's no such thing as money or time pressure ever again. And we can just keep making stuff. Just, just take however die. much time you need to make just doesn't matter. the, the thing craziest you can thing make. you can yeah. think of. <laughs> and that's, that's basically where they are ex- within just in terms of the sheer money involved. But it just depends on like, what are the actual driving motivators, you know, on top. But it is weird. Like if the only driving motivator that you can see, because it's the only one that even exists is like, oh, the rich people want to get a lot richer. 
it's really hard to like make the game more you know aggressively and faster underneath yeah that banner versus like oh we're out of money in, in a year yeah right? you got so six like, months we need something out yeah much yeah more. also kind of to your point sam about the idea of like a of why sim games are so hard to make. I think a, a good analogy would be like, let's say, let's say you wanted to invent poker, like the game poker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no such thing as cards. Nobody's ever heard of a deck of cards. There are no decks of cards, right? And if you're like, all right, well, each card that we make, we need to make 52 cards, right? And each card, we need like 10 people and like four human years of time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you actually can't play your first game of poker until you have all 52 cards, right? Uh, if, if one of the cards is missing, the game is broken, right? Mm -hmm. You can't play the game at all. And so there's this weird problem with, with making projects like this, where like, you're going to see this three, four, five, eight, whatever year investment, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And you're going to look at it and it's still maybe not good. Yep. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad. It's just that there's a couple of cards missing yep. before they can actually start playing poker with it to, mm-hmm. to then start tweaking the rules and, and make it work. Right? And it just depends so much so. on the scale, right? Because like with what we're doing with Crashlands 2, like one of our primary motivators is to have the game feel good all the time as much as we can, right? And whatever its current state is. Even though it's incomplete and there's a lot left, so we, if there's still nuance there we're trying to pay attention to like, oh, this doesn't feel good, but it's because we don't have this yet, you know, that kind of thing, right? Right. But we like we try to make it feel like as if like you could just publish it mm-hmm. just as long as possible, even though it's like not really because if we publish it, people would play it. You know, maybe like this is I only got to play this for an hour, so this isn't worth you know whatever. <laughs> like that kind of right, stuff. Right. So yeah. like we can't. But but the reason that we can do that though is because as a very small team, um, we don't have to try to manage like what happens if we do this work too early. What happens if this right because. It just doesn't like it's still yes very expensive, but it's like on on such a tiny it's scale. A that scale. If, <laughs> it's a different. Yeah, scale. that if we have to do some rework later, we like change how a system works after then redo a whole bunch of like whatever. Yeah. Right, the scale is so much smaller that we can basically afford to do that without spending you know a hundred million dollars or whatever. I hope so because yeah, we don't really have that kind of money. We do not have that kind of money. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so it's pretty it's pretty interesting. I don't know, it's it's always just kind of funny to see see what people think of things that they don't truly understand, mm-hmm. you know, and how willing they are to have opinions about things that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's pretty goofy. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it, it kind of goes really in line with my, f- I guess, favorite in one way, at least favorite in another way, uh, logical fallacy, which is the, the personal incredulity, right? Which is because I don't understand it must not be true, right? Like, I think this is mm. the same idea where it's like, I think it's, it's like basically just done in Kruger, like as, but as, right? Mm. Which is like, I, like, it couldn't possibly be that hard, sort of a, Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, it okay. couldn't possibly be that hard because, like, because I don't understand why. I don't understand why, right? That they would be this far into it and that's what it would look like, right? It's this, it's this just, like argument from personal incredulity where you're just like, I don't believe it. And therefore, is it an know. ego thing of like, I'm smart and I don't understand yeah, X? Yeah, I think, I think it's sort therefore, of Therefore, X is wrong, yeah. right? <laughs> like, it, like it can't, there can't possibly, be, something can't possibly exist that I don't understand. Yeah. Right? That's, I mean, that's basically like the entirety of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like flat earth or conspiracies and like similar things like yeah. that, right? It's basically that. It's like, somebody's like, I don't get it. So I don't get it. So no. It's, so it's a lie, yep. right? Uh, yeah. Wow. Nice. That's what an ego trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get over yourself. <laughs> Get over it. All right. Now, before we go into questions, we'll take a little bit of time to talk, talk about our sponsor. 
Favro. Okay. So it's a favro.com uh, slash bscotch. Yeah. So Favro is, we've mentioned uh, on some of our episodes, we actually talked about it before they became a sponsor. Um, we made the switch to Favro. I think it was like a year and a half ago or two years ago. That was a um, while ago. It's a, it's a work management tool that has a particularly badass feature where uh, you can develop your own workflows and, and pipelines. And the cards that you use to represent work can live in any number of places at the same time. Uh, so you can have something that's, you know, in our case, we, uh, one, of our, one of our cool uses of this system is, is when it comes to bug tickets that come from our QA team. Right, so they can report a they can report an issue, and it's there in a workflow that we use for issue tracking uh, as a as a favor card. And I can take that bug and I can move it into my into my sprint into my own personal workflow, and now it's in both places. Mm-hmm. So the QA team can see on the issue tracker they can see that it's in my workflow. I can move it through the through the pipeline. I can move it into a testing phase. I can do all that stuff. Um, they can see that progression. And, uh, and everybody can keep track of the states of things in different places at the same time, because, you know, stuff can be two things, right? Mm -hmm. Something can be both a bug and it can also be a piece of work that a programmer needs to do. Those are both true. In fact, anything cross-disciplinary, actually, cross-disciplinary, anything that has to go between two people, right? Yep. If there's a handoff, like it needs to be in two places so that everybody can understand what's happening and share information easily. Cause you, you don't want to have a system where, you know, you get to the end of one workflow and you're like, okay, now I need to create a card for this other person. And I guess just yeah. link them, you know, so that if they, if they think about it, they can follow the link back and like see what was on the other card or whatever. No, it's just, you just, you can see it all. You can see the status on every board that it's in. You can get the whole summary of all the information just by looking at it. Yeah. Now it's with great power comes great responsibility. That's right. You know, that's right. Uh, if you, you can do anything when it comes to these workflows and you can have cards living in multiple places, which means you, you know, you have to now. Right. So, uh, you, you've got to, like, you have the ability to build your own workflows and come up with the way that things work best for you, uh, which is a bit of a challenge at first because, and with so many other tools, uh, other like work management tools, you just have to work in, in the framework that they have. Yeah. Right? You design your work, your work around the tool, not yeah. design your tool around the work. Yeah. Uh, so with favor, you know, uh, if you, if you start using it, you know, the first thing you're going to have to do is just sit down and think, what do I want my life to be like? Mm, you know, yeah. how do, how do I want my day to go? What do I want to see? What don't I want to see? Um, and they also have a lot of really cool automations and stuff that you can use to have work, have, have cards, you know, automatically get created or automatically move between different phases or different boards and stuff. Um, so it's a great tool. Uh, we, we used it long before uh, they sponsored the, the podcast and, and we still use it to this day. Yeah, so, which I, even our uh, audio guy made a joke about because if I think he, any longtime listener of podcast knows that we frequently change. We had until we got Fav- Favro uh, frequently changed our work management software, so it's sticking yeah. around. It's a, it's a sticky one. Yeah, it's pretty I think sticky. Before this, the longest one we stuck with was Trello for probably a year, but maybe yeah, that's still only about a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're we're just shattering records here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So again, uh, there's a link uh, over at favro.com/bscotch. Uh, go there, check it out. If you're looking for for a way to you know beef up your your productivity, your work life, or just, you know, make your life easier, increase work visibility, uh, reduce stress. It's great. Uh, All right, now let's get on to some questions. 
Uh, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. The highest upvoted question comes from Dupapli Panna, who mm. says... <laughs> Good old Dupapli. Mm. Yes, Dupapli is a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dupapli says, pumpkin spice everything is back on the shelves. Spirit Halloween is taking over abandoned strip mall spaces. We are officially descending into spooky season. Yes. Any upcoming plans that may or may not include 12-foot-tall skeletons? Uh-huh. I, so well, that's, I mean, that's a reference to the fact that Home Depot, uh, I think starting last year, maybe two years ago, but I think it was last year, started selling this giant 12-foot-tall, which, like, 12 seems like a – that seems big. But there, when you see it, though, like, at scale, you're like, that. that's a lot when bigger you, than yeah, even when you stand like next. What? Yeah, because I'm like 12 feet doesn't sound like that much taller than me, but it's literally twice as tall as I am. This is how I feel whenever I see a picture of, you know, somebody like Shaquille O'Neal, who, what is he? He's like seven feet tall or something, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He's tall as fuck. really tall. And then you see him next to, say, like Dwayne Johnson, who I believe is is (laughs) just over six feet. He looks like a toddler. Huge dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like they're they're one foot apart. And yeah, one of them looks like a, like an actual baby <laughs> to the other. And I don't under, and I think I think part of it is is the problem of like height is a linear measurement, right? Mm-hmm. But your vol your your volume of human right mm-hmm. goes up cubed, yeah. right? So like somebody who is seven feet tall is like twice the size of somebody who is six feet tall. Yeah. They're just, just in terms of like, just how much, how much person is under their command. How, yeah. 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 Cause I think there, there's all these stories. I don't know if you guys have heard stories about Andre the giant. I mean, I don't that I've heard a lot of stories, but I've seen pictures of him like next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you know, it's again. That guy. So, he, so he had so many issues traveling. Um, like he would go, <laughs> This is pretty it's pretty gross, but it is like it was a reality of what he had to do, mm. which was when he went and stayed in hotels, he had to poop in the bathtub because he couldn't – in most hotels, the toilet would be in like a little like nook oh, yeah. kind of. And he, he literally couldn't there. get there and he would just poop in the bathtub and then just pay extra to the cleaning staff and be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> because <laughs> – he just couldn't. Oh he just couldn't fit places. He couldn't fit on airplanes. He had to take like private flights uh, to go anywhere because um, he was like mid seven foot something, and he it's weighed enormous. like he weighed like six hundred pounds or something like that. And uh, and he would like if they wanted to like go drinking, he would he would buy like three forty eight packs of beer <laughs> and drink all of it. He would drink all of it in one evening and be kind of buzzed, you know, like. <sighs> this I don't even man like was trying to be a doctor for that guy and figure out dosaging stuff must have been. Uh, oh yeah, fucking trip. Like all the rules. I think it's the same thing as like, like uh, when you talking like like neonatal and like baby mm-hmm. physiology the versus tiny, the like other the side. stuff. Yeah, like, there's a reason that they're like they're pediatrics. People, you know, physicians, because like child biology is just not the same as adult biology, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like infant is even different again, and like it's just not the same. And but also just for people, once they're like, once they're also all adults, a giant person, just like a huge person, is just not the same. They're not. They're not. They don't have it, like the same issues, right? Because like gravity suddenly is a much bigger problem than and almost like getting getting like the blood back from your legs. You know, yeah, it's a much harder problem, but especially because like the body plan that we have, you know, is is only works well for like the average height, basically, right? Mm. 
once you go circling like well beyond that, like the body plan doesn't hold up. Freakish what I heard was that like super tall dude who's in Ripley's or whatever. I can't remember how tall he is, mm-hmm. like ridiculously tall. But basically because the taller are. Right? Yeah. It literally takes longer for yeah. you to feel things happening to your feet. Because they go all the way back up to your head, right? You don't have a – it's not in the middle where everything's – Yeah, and it's not going to be a lot longer, but like – it's, it's, it's apparently long enough. Like if you stub your toe, there's that moment. You know what I'm saying? There's a yeah. moment before the pain like really hits. Uh, and yeah, apparently people who are really tall – very frequently I have extra injuries on like the sort of shin and foot region because you just sort of are, you might do a couple of things get your foot around before you really get like the, the full signal that like oh I smack my foot around you know because you're uh-huh. too damn long it's crazy and just, and just nothing is designed for your height you know so like you're just gonna be banging into more stuff it's just, yeah. it's just how it works yeah but, you know, just, but yeah, <laughs> giant skeletons let's, you know, how giant, oh yeah, yeah, yeah speaking yeah, of back, how, back target so, Halloween. Yeah. So, so they had these twelve foot skeletons, and the moment I saw it, I was like, "I don't care that it's expensive, but I have to have it." <laughs> but, it's, but it's been sold out though. From the moment it came out, it's just been man. No, a, everybody yeah. wants it, so it's just been sold out. <laughs> period. I'm even. I'm, I'm. I have an alert set up with like Home Depot to like, and like, and I, I think I got the. It must have been two out for two years. I think I got the alert last year, but it was still sold out everywhere I looked. Like the moment mm-hmm. I got the alert, yeah. So I don't get to have it, unfortunately, but that's what <laughs> that was a reference to. But spooky season just is the best season. And my position on that is because it's the only one that doesn't take itself seriously. Mm-hmm. It's the only one that's about just having a good time and being weird, having fun and also breaking convention. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it's you know you're you're not supposed to be a certain thing. You're supposed to be like whatever the fuck you want. You know you're not, you're not supposed, supposed to purposely scare children. Till it's <laughs> right, there is that. There's also, yeah, you could just you could just become a maniac, right? But I think yep. that, like when it comes to like you know self expression and the ability to like just kind of do whatever you want, um, and just like be a person with your own interests and tastes, you know, like spooky season is the one that does that. It just like throws all the rules out the window, and I. So that's so I love I just love that. That is true because like because Christmas has like very strong opinions. Yeah, it has strong opinions about like what you do. Like there like there's a Christmas dinner that you're supposed to have with certain you know, kinds family, of families. Yeah, Halloween. There's no family get together. There's no dinner. Mm-hmm. You just do whatever the fuck you do. You want to have a party? Have a party. Do you not want to have a party? Don't do that. Do you want to just hang out in your house and dress like a panda and give candy to random people that come up to your door? Do that. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yep. Do you want to not do anything? That's viable. Just turn your light yeah. off. Just turn your Everybody light knows. off. Just turn your light <laughs> off. You could, you could, it's the holiday that you can just fully opt out of. Without and, and also, whatever you want. And also, you know, a lot of other holidays have a, have opinions about what you're supposed to do with or for other people, yeah. right? It's like Valentine's is about the significant other. Christmas has this like gift giving component, you know. And Halloween is really like. It's just have a good time. That's its yeah. whole thing. Yeah, nobody's nobody's demanding that you do anything for them on Halloween, mm-hmm. and you can just if you're just, if it's just not your year, you can just duck on out of there. Yep. No problem. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Nobody's gonna be weird about it. Yeah, I don't have any big yeah. plans for the the spooky season. We're you know we always talk about how October seems to have a certain amount of gravity in it, where like things just somehow always end up happening. A lot of things happen sometime end of September into October typically. Um, I don't know why, but for the past five or six years, this has largely held true for the studio <laughs> where just like it's yeah. the time when also just for some reason, just things are happening. Things are breaking. Yeah. Things are showing up that you didn't 
think we're going to show yeah, up for yeah. a while. Hey, we've Sometimes got the, good things, but it's always things that just like require a lot. You got to deal with it. Yeah. 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 And we have a lot of theories about how it's, it's kind of the procrastination month because like everybody knows that November, December, it's just harder to get stuff done. It's yeah. the end of the year. There's it's holiday stuff. seasons. You know, it's, it's just chaos. But that's not really true of October. So it's kind of the last month of the year where you can kind of put things off until, you know, because <laughs> you can plan to get some stuff done in October. You can't plan to get some stuff done in November, right? Mm-hmm. So well, you th- do. You I just put things off of- and then suddenly it's all it all comes yeah. at you fast. Anyway, so much of what happens to us in you know October's is basically like biz dev and – broader industry related things. I think for exactly because because we know at you know at this at this point it's just like a we're just old hat at the idea that all of our business partners, the moment November first hits, we can just basically say, okay, we'll talk to you, I guess, in like middle of January because the chances of us causing anything to happen, getting any responses, like it's just Yeah, I mean we've been like it's we've just been zero. Like probably two conversations away from closing a deal before uh in like say December like sixth, I think is what it was. And then and then they were like, honestly, we'll just pick this up. And, mm-hmm. We got some time, baby. Yeah. So those, we can have a couple yeah. of you know, especially our our European business partners, uh those those folks know how to vacation. Yeah, they do. They do. They're they really do. And I say I say this with respect and admiration. They know how to not work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they, they they're able to just be like Hey, uh, bye. And then they're just gone for like six weeks. And then they come back and they're all refreshed. And like, anyway, where were we? And then they just pick up where they left off. And it's yep. great, you know? And meanwhile, we're over here just hand ringing, like, oh, oh, when's my email going to come back? <laughs> in, in six weeks. That's <laughs> yeah. the answer. Yep, in six weeks. It has so, been well, good for practicing just kind of like patience because, like, in the early days, I remember that being very stressful and anxiety inducing, just being like, not sure if when they're going to get back to us and like not sure if the thing we're trying to make happen can happen. And, and I was just like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just figure this out later, basically. Yep. Yeah. It'll work out. Yeah. With age comes, comes patience, I guess. Okay, yeah. not, not everything is urgent, which seems weird because you would think that as you get older, you're like, I'm running out of time. Mm-hmm. Things need to happen faster. But no, as you get older, you're like, meh. <laughs> you're like, I'm having a good time. Uh, yeah, I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. That's uh, true. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to be going to India. I'll be in India on Halloween, which isn't really much of a thing in India. Instead, it's Diwali. Mm, that's a good one. So too. that's also yeah, about having a good time, isn't it? It's just yeah. it's just big old it's the festival of lights. Um, I think I think fireworks are kind of on the downswing because uh, Indian cities are incredibly densely populated. And so fireworks are both dangerous and pollutive, you know, yeah. is pollutive a word. I could I'm be going with it. It feels <laughs> like it. Yes. It feels like a word. The question is, did you uh, convey what you meant? And I, I mean, I got what you were saying. So yep. if so, then you That's know, a word now yeet. It has been annoyed. <laughs> if so, yes. Yeah, uh, so I'll be I'll, I'll have plenty to say about that, but I'll be there for a couple of weeks, so I'll be there um, over the over well, Diwali yeah, and then over kind of the Halloween. So. Also, to kick off kind of the entry into spooky season, you're doing the spooky coming up your mouth thing. Yeah, it's very spooky. It's happening just a couple hours after we record this podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're really leaning so, into the spook factor. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk about. Yeah, let's do a little little medical yeah. aside here. So, so I. Brush my teeth religiously, mm-hmm. as in like I I believe that there's a ghost in my toothbrush and I pray when I mm-hmm. do it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you have to it's very it ritualistic. In. Yep. Uh, and I've always been pretty, you know, pretty aggressive about tooth health, primarily because when I was growing up, I had just a just a huge number of orthodontic things for like mm-hmm. ten years running. In a very um, complicated teeth scenario. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I went through all of the, and I know there's a sunk cost situation here, right? But it's like, I went through all that and I definitely don't want to have that go to waste. You know, yeah. I don't want to have had braces for like five years and all this other shit to then just lose a tooth because I didn't brush it. Mm-hmm. You know, what a bummer that would be, right? Keep them pearly. Uh, yeah. So uh, it turns out that, you know, there are good and bad ways to brush your teeth. And you can also do it too hard or too frequently or both. And or use, that's the camp that I'm in. <laughs> or use a uh, brush that has anything besides soft bristles. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hey, if you don't brush your teeth, you're in trouble. But also if you do brush your teeth too much, you're also in trouble. <laughs> like all things in life, there's a balance. <laughs> uh, and so – Turns out that uh, my my brushing has caused a gum recession on a couple of my teeth to the point where it's a problem. Mm. So the way, and this is kind of interesting. So the way that your gums work is there's these two kinds of tissue. One is called keratinized tissue, which is like what's on the roof of your mouth. You know how like the roof of your mouth feels really hard, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because it's just like bone up there. Uh, and then the tissue that's on the roof of your mouth is just like stuck to the bone. Mm-hmm. It's just stuck on there. It's keratinized. So that's the same kind of tissue that is on your gu- on your gums, like right around where your teeth are. Sticks the gum so, to the tooth. Yeah, basically, it's like it's like sticking the gums on there. Um, and then if you kind of look at your gums, like below that that like firm tissue, it's soft, right? Uh, and it's not like firmly attached. And that's kind of like where it feels like kind of like your cheek stuff starts, mm-hmm. right? It's like kind of soft and squishy. It's not like hard like a bone. Um, so what can end up happening is if if your gums recede far enough that you no longer have a border of keratinized tissue be- like above the the soft tissue mm. or like between like uh, blocking the soft tissue then suddenly stuff can just start slipping in like between the root of your tooth and the soft tissue mm. there's there's no like being no stuck on there. There's no it's seal. It's like yeah. you get that like tarp, like a like a yard tarp thing that you put a garden bed, contain it, you know, and then you break a hole in the tarp, and now you just got stuff passing straight through. Yes. Like so you so you brush too hard for too long, you can break the seal. Mm. So now what you got to do is you have to have a soft tissue graft where they they go to the roof of your mouth, which has the same kind of tissue as the gums right around your top, like where your teeth attach, right? It's that keratinized tissue. They go to the roof of your mouth, they cut some of that off, and then they transplant it over to where your gums have receded, mm. right? Um, so that's that's what I'm doing today, like mm-hmm. within a few hours. Uh, apparently, it sucks <laughs> <laughs> to have a cut in the roof of your mouth and around some of your teeth. Um, the healing process is going to be a bit of a bummer, but it's, you know, things heal pretty fast there. Uh so their problem is just like eating and talking, yeah. you know, uh, so I'll be going through that. But one of the things that you can do uh, if you have too much gum recession that like taking tissue from the roof of your mouth would be a bad idea, right? Because you just don't have enough mm-hmm. is they will take, you know, cadaver tissue. So very spooky. It's like, which I have a problem season. with this framing because it's like, all right, let's say somebody you know dies in a motorcycle accident and they're, they have 
they're an organ donor, mm-hmm. right? And they'll 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 transplant that liver to somebody. Yeah, you right? call it you call it a donor liver. You yeah. call it a donor liver. You don't say like, do you want a cadaver liver? Because <laughs> like cadaver is like yeah, dead like, for a while. That's what it's yeah. that's what it feels like, you know. Yeah. And maybe that's so, true. Maybe that is where that specifically it, comes from, but we don't have to can we not specific. That? Can we just call it a donor? Um, yeah. yeah. And so so the the cadaver gum transplant thing, you know, it has a lower success chance because it, there's a possibility that it doesn't really like heal as well, or there's a rejection possibility, um, and all of that. Uh, but yeah, mostly I just had a problem with the framing of it because on the one hand, it, and also just the idea that like if somebody were to transplant uh, somebody else's kidney into my body, that's cool because it's just in there, and I'm you not really like it. I'm not interacting with it. In a you certainly way. aren't rubbing your tongue on it. You know what I mean? And I'm not like, putting my tongue on it, which is <laughs> <laughs> which something about having someone else's gums just yep. in your mouth um, and just sort of like <laughs> I that that to me that's a plan B. Like that's a mm-hmm. I'll do that if I have to, but that's definitely not going to be my first move. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so I'm going through that. That's going to be like you said it's going to be a little bit spooky. So spooky. Uh, yeah, now. Let's hit one last quick question. Okay. Sam's looking real skeptical because I said quick. Quick, quick but, is a great mm-hmm. question. But I want, I want to, I want to hit two just because you know. Okay. Uh, all right. So, so the next question, next and last question comes from Mimibif Gorky, who says, "What's the checklist that you go through in your mind when you want to add a new enemy?" Speaking of checklists, mm, yeah. So enemy meaning like you know you've got some kind of oppositional force in your game that's trying to like stop the player from doing stuff or harm the player or whatever. Yeah. So like, what are some things that you might like consider? It'll depend on you know game context. Like, what is the game? It depends on a lot of things, but yeah, I think infinite in, things in general. You want to think about enemy cast as a, as a cast. You know, as like a a whole crew who has both sort of a thematic thing going on, but then also on an individual level, each person on that crew is supposed to be doing something, you know, a little different so that you're not just interacting with the same person over and over again, right? So what we've done in the past, if we, when we're doing, say, creature creature development or whatever else, is a combination of looking at, you know, where this thing's going to show up contextually or you know, levels, whatever else. So what's, what's around it? What's already happening? And specifically, what mechanics are being taught or pulled on at that moment? If we have like really free reign on it, then really it's just a different question entirely, which is experientially, what can we do heal interesting and different or engage some kind of system or mechanic that we haven't really touched within like an enemy realm before? Uh, so that can be something, you know, as seemingly simple as like this enemy pulls things, acts them, right? Uh, things that kind of change the nature of how you would have to react to it, um, where it's not just this enemy is the same, but hits harder. I mean, that's just kind of. It's boring. At some point, you'll get there where you're like, you can't do more because you kind of got to, you know, you're, this is the lava version of this. Yeah. It's the same, but it hits for five. Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't necessarily want to, yeah, because you, you don't want to overload. Like, you yeah. don't want to just keep adding more and more and more mechanics necessarily because at a certain point, uh, you know, things just get overwhelming, right? Yeah. But yeah. so I think it really we try to dig into them like that, that experiential list and say, like, can you, from a checklist perspective, uh, you know, does this engage meaningfully engage with uh, an experience that we want the player to be having at this point, yet have supported? Then does it leverage existing mechanics? And again, this depends on where you're at in dev, because sometimes early dev, it's kind of wild because you could do almost anything. 
But especially in mid to late dev, you really want to be leveraging existing. Like, hey, can we put another thing, another whole entire feature in? Um, and so you typically want to just ask, like, how can we use something that already exists in a slightly different way uh, to get that? It's like, those are kind of the big ones. Um, yeah. I, I, variety, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's less of a checklist than it is basically just the questions to ask, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the specific questions just depend so much on, on your context, but they do come down to like, what is this for? That's like, that's the, that's the core question, right? What is, what is, cause just the existence of an enemy is like, seems like, oh, I've got a game, right? Like you got an enemy, you fight it, right? But it's just, it just isn't that simple. It's, what is it for more specifically? Not just a thing to fight. What is it for? <laughs> right. So that's the, I think the top, most like the, the Biggest, most important question that Sam said. There's just a long list of like, how does that fit into your context, right? And yeah. Like, your lenses. dev context, your yep, different ways of looking at it. Yeah. And, and I think another kind of cool thing to think about is sort of what does the player know and what mm -hmm. don't they know uh, when mm -hmm. they first encounter this enemy? And are there things that once the player learns them mm -hmm. will make this enemy more interesting, right? Because you want it to be the case that, that when the player first encounters something, they can Based on what you've shown them so far, they can intuit uh, how mm -hmm. how to deal with this new thing, right? Um, and then I, I think like one of the one of the really fun ones that I like is in Level Head, where we have the um, the scrubs and the ocula, which are the little enemies that mm. that just walk around, and when you stomp them, they kind of like retract into their body, and then you can throw them around like a like a, a turtle shell in Mario, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a couple of extra interactions with that, which is like, uh, when you stomp on them, you just see like, oh, they're like gone now, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're no longer a problem. And so you can just kind of defeat them. You can intuit that and you can move on. Right. Um, then once you figure, once you get a handle on grappling and throwing, then picking up and throwing those, those shells or those like those mm -hmm. bodies of those things becomes a new mechanic that you can use to fight other enemies, right? But then later on, once you learn more about how to grapple and throw and bounce off of things uh, in sort of like as you're navigating, then you can start to use those as traversal, really, mechanic. really weird traversal things, right? And so it's this, it's this enemy that kind of like starts out understandable and simple, but then opens up over time as the player discovers more of their toolkit. And then that enemy becomes like a really cool staple of how the player navigates the world. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a richness in interactivity. Right. Cause, cause, I, yeah. cause even all those things you're describing, like the core enemy design and behavior stays the same and dead simple. Just like mm -hmm. walks around, jump on it, turns into a shell and then the shell can be thrown and then, and then just behaves in a certain way. Right. Yep, but because it doesn't just die, right? Because you can bounce off of it. So everything becomes about interactivity. So that if you take the whole context of like the game into account, so like in Levelhead, the game is about traversal. It's about moving, right? Mm -hmm. And dealing with what it means to move through space to, to to get to certain places, given chaos, right? And so, like an enemy in that context needs to somehow impact traversal mm -hmm. because. That's Otherwise, what's that's, what that's what's interesting. That's what it's yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's always a good thing to think about is like, not just, not just what does this enemy do sort of in the moment? Um, Cause that actually can be very simple, but just then do we have more things in the game that if the player continues to encounter this enemy over time, mm -hmm. that that enemy stays interesting or becomes even more interesting. 
Um, Because what you don't want necessarily is an enemy that like starts out basic and then just gets progressively less interesting and easier to (laughs) defeat. And, you know, um, which is always kind of a problem in in RPG style games where your player, like your stats get bigger and bigger and you just, you know, this is this. Yeah, because it's not based on mechanisms of interaction. It's based off of like just details of numbers between. Yeah. So I guess as soon as you can just kind of like one shot enemies, then. You know, they do become less interesting. This is kind of a problem that we're that we're working through with Crashlands too, because we believe that that was an issue in original Crashlands of like, once you can just one shot every Wampit, then Wampits aren't really a thing that mm-hmm. provide any interesting gameplay. You just kind of go out and whack them, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So there's there's a lot of kind of nuances to it, but all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. And we'd also like to thank Favro for sponsoring today's episode. And you can visit favro.com slash bscotch to check them out. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.